by God over the last few years. I don't believe there's one person here that has questioned God over the last two years. I think many of us said, God, where are you? Where are you? Why haven't you come through for me? Why haven't you been there for me? God, why is the church closed? God, why didn't we end the pandemic? God, why are we going through our financial recession? God, why are we doing it? We've come through a season, church, where we've lost more than we've gained. Or so it seems. Or so it seems. And we have. We've had extraordinary stuff now. We've had loved ones just die. The strongest of strongest of men and women just die. You know, we've heard of people losing contracts and losing jobs and, and losing funding and people suing and going crazy. It's been, it's been one of those craziest two years of our lives. Whether you like it or not. But often I think we're going through what we're going through because I think God is stirring and God is trying to move us out of our comfort and into His presence. And that takes a challenge. And this morning I just want to read a little bit and I'm going to paraphrase a lot about what He did to judges. And I know exactly why we did all this again. Very simple, whatever is in the Old Testament will be revealed in the New Testament and whatever is revealed in the New Testament will be revealed in our present day. And so the Word of God is not something that was written you know, 2,000 years ago. This book is alive. It's active. It's like a two-edged sword, the Word of God said. So I want to catch up. I listen to this. And I want you this morning not to listen to the sermon for the person next to you. So I don't want any nudging. I don't want any pointing of fingers. Alright? This sermon this morning is for you. Alright? I want you to listen to what I've got to say to you this morning. Like the presence of what? In this house. So it starts in Judges 6, verse 6, and it says this. Listen to this. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the Jerusalemites are cried out to the Lord. Now you've got to understand something. What was happening here is, is that the children of Israel had basically moved out of the will of God. God had released them kind of thing. And what was happening was as they were farming, subsistence farmers, and, and as they moved around, what would happen every year at the time of the harvest, the Midianites would come down from the mountains and they'd just take whatever they wanted to do. And so Israel at that time was, was living on the leftovers. You've got to understand the new goats, the new sheep, the new camels, the new donkeys, the new wheat, the new whatever was, the new wine. Everything was taken. And so they would go high, they were living in holes, they were living in little caves, that's how they were living. And every year they would stand back and watch this, the, the, the enemy just come and ravage everything that they worked so hard for over the preceding year. Who relates? Amen. Who relates? Crazy. See, but there's a part there, right in the bottom of that little verse that says this, and Israel cried out to God. Israel cried out to God. You know, it's a terrible thing as human beings is this, is that things have to really be bad for us really to start to cry out to God. You know, when we're HIV, why the bank balance is good, and your wife loves you, and the kids are behaving yourself, you know, then God is okay. But when we get to those desperate times in our lives, that we fall on our knees and we cry to God, it's the time that God starts to move in your life and in my life. 
And listen to this, and verse 7 says, And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord said to them, A prophet, to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you out of the house of bondage. He says, I will deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of those who oppress you, and I'll drive them out before you and give you the land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Ammonites, whose land you dwell, sorry, whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So God got this promise. God got this incredible promise for them. And he said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to change your stuff. I'm going to change your circumstances. But in the last part of that verse it says, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, I don't want to be heavy this morning. I don't want to be heavy this morning. But I, I want to ask you something. That if you're serious about the kingdom of God, that if you're serious about being a believer, a blood-washed believer, if you're serious about being a child of God, I want to ask you this morning, firstly, have you heard the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of God? Because if it's not His voice that you're hearing, what voice are you listening to? You see the word God in Matthew says this incredible thing says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the presence of God. Seek the place that God dwells. Seek the place that God resides. Seek the place that God pours out to you. And all these things shall be added unto you. But we have a people that are serving a God that we never hear from. And we think it sounds stupid when we look at the Indian culture. And the Indian culture has over 116,000 gods that does not speak back to them. We have people that worship little statues, little fat men like me. Bald. That do not speak back to them. We got so many faiths out there that the only voice that the people are hearing is the voice of man. And I've got to ask you this morning, firstly, have you heard the voice of God? Have you got to that place in your life where you are seeking God for your future? You are seeking God for your family? You are seeking God for your purpose? Or are you just trying to do it all on your own? Because I have for many years. But the second thing that the Word of God says this, besides hearing the voice of God, that voice that you heard, have you obeyed it? Have you obeyed it? Have you heard and have you obeyed? Have you heard and have you obeyed? There are two things that God is throwing here at us this morning. Because it's one thing to hear God's voice, it's another thing to obey God. And must I tell you why? Because we obey people we trust and believe in. And it's crazy with God. God says he has to ask us sometimes to do the most ridiculous things. Or sometimes it's just a simple thing like they pray for charity. And we go the opposite direction. Verse 11, if I get to carry it away. He says, And now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terrible tree, which was in Oprah. 
which belong to Joash, the heaven and the Right. While his son Gideon fished wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. Now you can understand something. They weren't explaining in those days how they would make wine they would dig a hole in the ground. And then they would have the whole mess on top. And so they would throw the grapes on the top and the men and the women and the people and everyone would stomp the grapes and the wine would fill or the juice would come out of the grapes and they would catch it at the bottom of the cistern. That's how they would catch it. And God decides, well, you know, I'm going to do something for my people. I'm going to bring them out of bondage. I'm going to bring them out of slavery. I'm going to bring them out of obscurity. And, you know, this is, this is just God. But let's not find the bravest soldier out there. Let's not find the head of the police. Let's not find the best soldier out there. Let's not find the greatest warrior out there. Let's find the man that is hiding in a hole. And we laugh. But let me tell you something, those are the kind of guys and girls that God is looking for. You see, there, there, there's something you need when God seeks you and He finds you because of the destiny and the calling and the purpose and the plan that He has for you. And He pulls you out of obscurity and He pulls you out of fear and He pulls you out of failure and He pulls you out of the situation you And listen to this, and He's hiding because He's scared that He's still in His weak. And the angel of the Lord replies to Gideon like this. He doesn't say to him, Oh, you weakling, why are you hiding? Oh, you pathetic human being, you such so Where is your faith? Where is your faith? The angel turns around this way and responds to Gideon. And the angel appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior of valor. That's crazy, eh? It's like, God, you serious? You know why this fascinates me? It's because God was about to redeem Israel. The only way that things were dealt with in those days was through war. So my first choice would be a military man. A man that knows how to handle the sword. A man that knows how to fight. A man that has been through many battles. Because I mean, I'm sure Joshua must have heard, I mean, Gideon must have heard the stories of Joshua. And the 120 battles that he fought and he won. And I destroyed nations. You know, and he was this great God that was brought up, you know, just in the presence of Moses. And it's just a God that led people in the promised land. And Gideon must be thinking, you must be Joe. Me. Me. Do you see the place I find myself in? Do you see what is happening around me? And Gideon is thinking, oh my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where is all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did the Lord not bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the, and then the Lord turned to him and spoke. But let's just go one back. You see, this is the issue we have in church life and in our life. Is that whenever God has a calling upon our lives, somewhere along the line, we have got the ability to actually argue with God as to why we should not do this. Hey? Well, God, you know, I can't evangelize because, you know, Lord, I, still, I still like to text me every now and again. You know? No, God, you can't use me because, you know, I've got this one. I haven't sorted out my life yet, Lord. Well, God, you can't use me because. And we always somehow find a reason not to be used by God. 
Yeah, every one of us. Every one of us had a calling. I know when God called me to the ministry. Serious, I felt like here. Oh, but God, are you serious? I don't even think I did a horror at school. I didn't speak in front of people, ever. And, and you're calling me to do what? To pastor the church. This is not going to end well. This is not going to end well, Lord. Do you know who I am? You've got to understand that time I've just been saved at the time. I haven't even dealt with issues in my life yet. And God gives this whole pile of reasons why God should not use him. And then the Lord turns him and says to him, Go in your might, and you shall save Israel from the land of the Midianites. I have sent them to you. So he said to them, O oh Lord, how can I leave Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in the Manasseh, and I am the bed of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me the sign that you are with me and you will talk to me. And do not depart from me, until I pray like God to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. He said, I will wait until you come back. And so Gideon went and prepared a young goat. And so Gideon says, God, God, you know, Moses said, well, Moses said the same thing. In Exodus 33 or 31, he said, God, this is your people. If you do not go with us, I'm not going anywhere. And Gideon says the same thing. He says, Lord, you've got to understand me. That if you send me and you do not go with me, I don't want to go. It's quite a bold and arrogant statement. But let me tell you, it makes sense. You see, it makes sense because what he's really saying is, Father, the ability does not rest in me. And so I'm going to let me take a step back and God allow you to take a step forward and Have you ever seen two people dance together and both of them are leaving? <laughs> it's chaos. There's always one that has to lead the dance. There's always one that has to be in control of the situation. Except when you saw because then it's just the best. <laughs> but Gideon knew this. Gideon knew this. Gideon said, Father, I hear all this, but I'm going to have to just take a step back and you've got to take a step forward and as we do that, then things can work out. Now, now I'm going to skip a little bit about what's going on. I'm going to catch up here. So all of a sudden, you've got to understand something. That if we were impoverished here, alright, and we'd say, well, you know, God, uh, God had said, well, for today's the day that you finish with ministry and um, you know, this is your last sermon and as for next week, you know, Alex will be the pastor of this church. No, Alex. No, Alex. <laughs> and most of you will think, well, ah, but that's not cool, but Alex is not, you know, I'll send it in 16, Now you've got to understand, here comes a prophet with no war experience to a nation that is impoverished and being destroyed. And he walks up to them and says, And thus saith the Lord, we will take on the Midianites and destroy them. Yeah. It's like having a minister of police and never being in the police force. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got that. <laughs> but the word carries on. 
And it's so crazy because what happens is, you know, somehow 32,000 men like, okay, let's do this, you know, let's do this. And so you don't want to say, ah, oh, I'm a prophet, but hey, this is cool. Stand in front of 32,000 people, guys, and we can do this. This is good, this is good. And God says to well, you know, I'm going to paraphrase you, but God says to well, you know, there's they just far too many people. Uh, yeah, let me read in Luke chapter 7, verse 2 says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you, you have, are far too many for them to give the Midianites into your hands. And verse 3 says, And now therefore proclaim in the ears, hearing other people saying, Whoever is fearful, whoever is afraid, let turn at the port or at once to Mount Galilee. And 22,000 of the men returned and only 10,000 remained. That is an anticlimax. That is all, who knows? That is all the story. Because one minute Jesus is standing going, woohoo, 32,000. It's like all of a sudden, you know, it just gets taken away from you. And 22,000 people say, well, we don't really trust you as a leader. But more than that, we're a little bit afraid. Now you've got to hear what I'm saying to you today because I want to, I want to get to this, this, this point that I'm going to make later. But you see, God cannot use people that are fearful and afraid. You see, the Word of God says a very simple thing to it. He said, He did not give us a spirit of fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear. You've got to understand something. You never want to go to battle with people that are fearful. Because you know what causes fear? The lack of faith. That's what causes fear in your life. The lack of faith. We fear for our finances because we think God won't come through. We fear for our marriage because we think God won't come through. And so what God basically says, I need to remove those that really don't trust me 100% and move them one side. It's a real thing. Let me tell you something, what I'm preaching you today, I believe with all my heart, is a prophetic picture of where the church is right now. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. This is where the church is right now. God is calling men and women without degrees, without doctrines, without this list of stuff. God is calling ordinary men that are prepared to pick up and fight, and women. But I tell you something, you might look around you, and we can look through the church, and we can see our churches have collapsed all over the world. Churches are empty. Empty. I wish I could explain to you how empty some of the churches in the UK are. They're almost no form of godliness. I've traveled to Prague. And I've traveled to, 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 to Germany and all these places that have been there. There are no evangelical churches around. Do you know in the city of Prague, in the city of Prague, there are three evangelical churches. My daughter runs one of them. The rest of them are all, how do they call it, um, what's the word? Religious institutions. You can go visit them during the day and look how beautiful they are. Like just empty temples, empty synagogues. The church is in taking a battery. 
And out of desperation, many will run back to the church. And many will come back to just why? Because they need God to do something for them. And God says, I will do it for you, but I'm not taking you to war. I will do it for you, but I'm not taking you to war. Go back to your home. Go back to where it is until you find your faith in me. Again, you're feeling really good about this. You okay, well, Lord, this is fantastic. And the gospel says, you know what? There are still far too many people for me to receive the glory. And he takes them down to a brook. He says, well, those that scoop, put them one side. Those that drink, straight from the river, put them one side. Not a good thing. Because out of the 10,000 people, I mean, 9,700 drank the wrong way.
those 300 people. If there were 10,000, they were not afraid. There were 10,000 that were prepared to go to war with the prophets. There were 10,000 people that weren't fighters, they were farmers. But they were prepared to go to war with Gideon. 10,000, then what made God say 9,700 to not lose bread? People qualified and only here. What made the difference? I'll tell you what made the difference. It was this that for the first time, well, actually for the second time in history, God was about to do war differently. You see, in those days, the sound of war was killing and murder and swords and shields and chariots and the greatest armies would always work. We read all through the Old Testament how many wars battled. Joshua fought 121 battles, took down Jericho, took down Ahab, all these masses. But all of a sudden God says, you know what, we're not going to do war the way we always do war. This battle, we're going to do something different. And I want to say to you, God is saying to you this morning, church, we're not going to do church the way we used to. We're going to do it a little differently from now on. We're going to do it a little bit differently in what it means that there's my expectation of you or my calling upon you. You know, I believe with all my heart that the only thing that separated the 9,700 was this. That the 300 was totally sold out of confidence that God would do what he said he would do. You see, it's not about our abilities. It's not about how good we are with the soul. It's not about how much scripture we can quote or how long we can pray for. Or if we can sing in key or if we can play a musical instrument. Or if we run a prayer meeting or a It's got nothing to do with that. With David, when God called David, I want God to say if he didn't look at David's experiences, I want a man that has a heart. And I believe those 300 had his heart. You know why? Because he was going to send him into battle against one of the greatest armies and he was going to send him completely different. And so what God says, and what he does is go, this is crazy at the end of the day. But it turns out, let me just read it quickly. So what, what Gideon, the word God says, to what Gideon, I'm going to but what God does, He says, You know what you do this? Take a hundred men, put them to the side. A hundred men that side. A hundred men that side, and divide them. He says, Then I want you to go around and encircle the camp, out to the outpost. And the word of God says, He gave chapter 7, verse 21, and every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran out and cried. And when the 300 listen to this, so God comes and He says, Well, there's something different I want to do. We're not going to fight with the sword this time. What this time I want to do is I want you to pick up the shofar, the ram's horn, and the oil and the lamb. Now you've got to understand something. I come from a military background and most of the guys here. And they always say, you say this to the police force, you never go to a gunfight with a knife. Well, these are going to do a gunfight with a horn. Like that, just think about this, because we read the scriptures. We read the scriptures. Now, we've all been in, in military situations, most of us, but anybody that has been in one of these situations, ask them, there's not this HIPPY while you're on your way to operation. <laughs> 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 I 
It doesn't matter how trained you are. You make it. And all of a sudden, you've got this, all this training and stuff, and God says to you, well, you know, give me your gun. That's a warm. Give me your knife. Gather a little bit of oil. Don't get that with you. Gather a lamp. You, can you imagine what the psalms might be thinking? Like, oh Lord, why was my father not out the same money? Oh Lord, why didn't I leave when I had the chance? Why didn't I leave when I had the chance? It's crazy. It's crazy. You see, there was a new sound that was getting activated for me. There was a new sound. It wasn't going to be the sound of screaming and killing. It wasn't going to be the sound of a mighty army ravaging another army. There was a whole new sound coming. A whole new way of doing war. You've got to understand in the history in the Jewish culture, there's only a few reasons why they used to use the shofar. One, just the announcement of calling people together. Two, it was only the sign of a feast, Ramadan, whatever that would start. And thirdly, it was a declaration of war. As you can understand, this is a massive camp. He has 300 guys, 100, 100, 100. And God says, today we do not lift the sword, but today we lift the war. Naturally, we went to the Durban rights and gave all our music to our home. But probably we didn't say that. I want to get this in your head how crazy this moment is. And why I'm trying to get into it is because this is how God works. You see, when the only things are about to become mundane, they can become of no value. When God needs to be glorified in a situation and man takes the glory, God steps back. And you and I need to come to a place of understanding that God is for you, church, and not against you. That yes, He might be doing it differently. He might not be in revival like He used to. You might not be getting contracts like He used to. You might not get into, your prayers might not be answered like they used to. You might not be understanding, your relationship might be different. Everything might be different. But I need to say to you, we're in a season of different right now. We're in a season where there's a new sound. There's a season where there's something that God is doing and all is looking for men and women whose hearts are faithfully committed to Him. He cannot go to people that battle with fear. He cannot people battle with people in decision. He cannot battle with people that are wholeheartedly submitted to Him. And yes, the church worldwide might be collapsing or falling apart. And, and no, but let me tell you something God only needs 300. He only needs sometimes you in your situation. He sometimes only needs you and your partner in the situation that he can be glorified. The story carries on and we all know what happened. That in the one hand they held the lamp, in the other hand they held the ram's horn, and the word of God says they blew it. And as they blew that shofar, the enemy thought they were being under attack. Why? Because there was lights on this side and horns, lights on this side and horns, lights on this side and horns. They believed that they were totally surrounded. 
And the word of God says this, let me hear on yours, says, and every man stood in his place around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried and said, and when the three hundred blew the trumpet, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Bethlehem, towards Zerifah, as far as the border of Abel. And the men of Israel gathered together from Abel, Asher, and all Messenia, and pursued the Mennonites. And Gideon said, Measures throughout the mountains of Euphrates, saying, Come down against the Mennonites, and seize from them the walking places as far as Bethlehem and Jordan. And you've got to understand that the victory came to God's people that day. That was the day that God's people were delivered from not enough, from being wrong, from being destroyed, from being taken apart, from being every single day ravaged by other people. And I want to say to you that many of us find ourselves in that situation right now. All of a sudden we've got these strange sicknesses happening. All of a sudden our finances aren't working out. You know, all of a sudden we're losing contacts. All of a sudden the church is people are doing crazy things in the church and around and about the church. And something has to give. Because I don't know about you, but I was probably not old enough to see the last revival. But I tell you what, one thing, there's no way for him to on the next one. And I don't know about you, but I, I stuck my hand up because there's only 299 places left because I'm already taking one. I want to see God do incredible stuff. I want signs why he's already there in the numbers. And you know what? I want to be obedient to listen to me. I want to be obedient to the voice of God. But then when God says do something, I do it. I don't question it. Three, four weeks ago, I don't know if I shared with you. But three, four weeks ago, we were on the farm of my son in Unionville. And uh, we came to the farm the first time we'd been on this farm. As we came over the hill, there was a beautiful mountain right behind Joshua's house. And as we came over the hill, God says, I need you to climb that mountain and declare over the land. Have you seen me? I've got a bad knee. You want me to what? Climb a mountain? Okay. I've even climbed with my bed in the last few weeks. So in any case, uh, I look at Chantal, and she looks at me without saying, well, she goes, hmm, you climb that mountain. <laughs> I get to the doctor's house, and Chloe said, Dad, we're going to have to climb this mountain. And I'm like, Rob, what are you saying? What are you guys? I put it out of my mind, you know? And I just, like, you know, you know, you don't do something like that. God just have a back burner, you know, God. If you share it again, I will do it kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I need to be confirmed by eight or nine prophets coming to me. <laughs> so we're standing there, and late on in the afternoon, this, this farm has got this massive dam on it, man. It is, it is the biggest dam I've seen in a long time. But the water is broke. It's not officially in the end. What do we use just to water, you know, the plants? But there's no value in it. I said, Josh, how is terrible to talk about something you can immediately after that? You know, we just, we're going to focus on the dam on that. We need to fish. And in that moment, God said, Did you remember Second Kings 20? Oh. You know, where the, where, the, where the people came to Elisha 
And they said, the land is fantastic, it is brilliant, but the water is bright, and it can't serve us. And so Elisha says, they bring me a new bowl and salt. So I'm sitting here, okay, you must be joking, God. I'm saying we climb the mountain, now you want to go throw salt in the pan? You know? So in the case, I mean, the morning, just myself, we went up to town to go buy some supplies. And um, as we get into town and we go to shopping, Joshua looks fast in the shop and he says, Are we buying a home? I'm like, What? He's like, Are you doing this whole thing? So, I mean, I'm in Union now. I mean, there was one Barbie on the shelf and one car, that was a good treasure. And all I find is one bowl on the shelf. You know those old tin bowls? So I quickly just slip it in my toilet. Well, you know what? God, if we don't throw the salt here at least, at least the dogs have another bowl, you know? <laughs> and Josh said, he preached over his feet. Don't worry, there's enough salt down. So I'm like, no, I still have to climb the mountain. Now you understand, I still have to climb the mountain. Now I've got the salt thing. So we get home. And I'm sitting down, and this is like 11 o'clock. And I've just sat down and I pour myself a glass of soda water. And my feet go on fire, like, like fire. And I'm thinking, yes, I'm getting on my feet, I take off my shoes. And, and God says, I want you to walk the rest of that day for <laughs> And I'm like, this is, this is one day, God. This is just one day. So I'm like, Lord, we're on a goat farm. You know, my thoughts are, there's no grass here. And God just keeps quiet. So I take off my shoes. You know, walking around the farm, because then of course Josh had to after everything, he the goat, go get the horses, and I'm, he doesn't understand why I'm there, but I don't understand anything. So that afternoon I said to God, God, you know, we need to climb the mountain, and here we go. So we climbed the mountain, we got up top, and we started to clear, and we started to pray on the top there, and we came down, and okay, that's one thing done. You know, and we're sitting down, and Josh starts to fire, and next to me, the other guy sits talking next to me, and says, What did you do before, then? <laughs> now I'm so there, So I said, Well, take my little granddaughter together with me, she'll tell. I said, Come here, look. 10 months old, you're going to throw the salt for me. And I got my new bowl, I put my salt, I walked down there, and I declared over the land, and the last declared, I, the Lord, will heal this land in this world. And little Ella poured the salt there. And I went barefoot back there with my thorns and in my feet. And I'm telling you the story because I don't know the outcome of it. I don't know why God told me to come to Mount, I don't know why God told me to the salt. I don't even know why I don't live barefoot. But there's one thing I can tell you. I don't care. Because if it was only for me to be obedient, that was enough. You see, not everything God tells us to do has to have an outcome. Because sometimes it just needs you to be faithful enough to believe that what He asks you will do. You see, God can never break through in this church. Let me tell you something. I am and I was the most rigid guy in the world. Anybody that worked for me will know. Anybody that uh, uh, around me, I was, I was anal. Alright, you don't understand. This stage had to be perfect. There's my staff asking. These chairs, there's Andy Jones and me, had to be absolutely 100% in place, matching O's with O's, F's with F's. They all want marbles on it. Did you get what you said in mind? 
That's how bad I was. You see, for somewhere along the line, I thought my presentation would just inspire people. Until I started to realize that nobody cares if they sit on chair F or chair O. Nobody cares if one chair is skewed. Nobody cares who stands on this side of the stage and who stands on that side of the stage. You see, God had to break the spirit of religion in me. And for me to walk barefoot, I've never done it in my life. For me to act on some strange prophetic word, I haven't done it right. Because things happen in order in my life. And sometimes God needs to break that order and that structure in your life for you to do a new thing. Because tell me something, when war breaks out, 90% of you are going to grab the sword again, and 10% of you are going to realize it's time for the war and not the sword. This is a different season. There's a different sound that's happening. There's a different cry out there. There's something new that God wants to do in and through your life. You know? And I want you to get it. Because let me tell you something, they're going to be getting books sitting in the room. And I'm going to say this to you right now. You think you're the last person that God is going to call to use mightily? Let me tell you something. You're the exact person God is going to call to use mightily. You see, there's a few things that God's going to require of us. One, that we have no fear. Two, that our faith and our hope and our trust is in Him. And three, He's going to look for a people that have His heart. And fourthly, for a people that are obedient. This is your season. Because we can sit here and we can speak about how bad the pandemic has been for another year. Or we can be in the church that realizes that our God is bigger than any virus, bigger than any pandemic, bigger than any financial crisis we're facing, bigger than any sickness that somewhere along the line the doctor diagnosed us with. He's a big God. He's a big God. But he's looking for people, for men and women. Yes, you can have the questions. Yes, you can ask why, why, why. But there's one thing that he can do. He was obedient. You see, don't look for men of war in the new season. Look for prophetic men and women that said, that said, Lord. Because as much as we've been led for so many years by men of war, I believe coming into the new season, we led so much by the prophetic to what God is about to release. You see, there's a new sound of prophets coming out. There's a brave of people, there's an unusual group of prophets that God is raising up right now. An unusual people that most people don't take serious. You know, the people that never came to church 10 years ago, they're the people that are filling the churches now. And you're going to have to bear with their funny colored hair, and you're going to have to bear with their tattoos, and you're going to have to bear with all the craziness, you know what? But then you're going to have to with the people that are crazy enough to believe in 100% right now. Amen. Amen. And I don't know about you this morning, but I want you just to close your eyes this morning. You see, because I believe that as I spoke this morning, church, there's many of you that right now will walk back with the 22,000. Because you haven't got that faith. You don't know if God's going to do this. 
If some of you that's going to be part of the night out of seven hundred, they're just going to do things the way you always did it. And yet, you know, amazing when we see the statistics that only a minute percentage drank water differently to the rest. God is looking for water drinkers that do it differently. 